All right, here we go for Saul 88, January 11th. Uh, good morning to you on a little chilly, little chilly Thursday morning. Only minus 29 out there. Looking for a low tonight of minus 35. The high is basically going to stay minus 28, 29 today. So it's going to be a little frigid out there. So take all the extra precautionaries if you're on the road. Be safe on the road. Uh, always it's it's so slippery out there at times when it gets to this stage and it's so uh, cold in the conditions and uh, stay warm stay safe uh, do what you can uh, thanks for tuning in to the Kevin Carey show and uh, we got a jam-packed jam-packed four hours for you we'll get to all our guests and contributors uh, in a minute the orders are in Detroit tonight not so cold in Motown where the orders are well they're red hot looking for a franchise tying nine games straight with a victory. Uh, done it a couple of times. And you know what? The Oilers, since November 24th, if you go back to that date, they were 10 points out of a wild card spot. Now they're in a wild card spot thanks to a 16-3 and run in their last 19 games. I mean, they have been just phenomenal lately. However, you've kind of seen a little bit of a... Eh, what do you want to call it? Just they've been they've been in a situation in the last two games where things haven't been at that high level. They haven't been firing on all cylinders. But in this last 19 game stretch, you know they're tied with Winnipeg in wins with 16. They're first in goals per game, just over four, 4.11. Uh, the point percentage is right up there. They're first. Uh, they're fourth in goals, four seventy eight. The power play is third at uh, 30.4, and the penalty kill has been really good at 88.1, fourth spot. So we'll see what happens with Detroit. The the Red Wings are a team that has been, well, ever since uh, Patrick Kane came on, on board, they went in a little bit of a funk, seemed to have rebounded a little bit. Uh, can the Oilers make it nine games in a row with a win? Send us a text, one 401 or do you see... Yeah, like the warning signs. Do you see warning signs in the Ottawa-Chicago game? Again, both victories, 3-1-2-1. But are there warning signs that go, you know, something's not going to, you know, be uh, firing tonight? So uh, send us off a text, one 1440 The big news, I guess, overnight last night and into the morning, Bill Belichick, after 24 years in New England, is uh, parting ways with the... Well, six-time Super Bowl champion Patriots. He had nine appearances appearances as a head coach. I mean, his run in New England likely won't be matched because of Tom Brady, obviously. Uh, The two of them had a special rapport, but he had 266 victories. Uh, How about 30 wins in the postseason? That's that's an amazing stat as it is. He went 30-12 and in the postseason. That's three good seasons. Three good seasons, approximately, for <laughs> for other coaches. That's just his record uh, in the postseason. Fifteen wins shy of Don Shula. Also yesterday, Nick Saban leaving uh, Alabama had nine SEC titles, six-time national champion there. So some big football news uh, that happened overnight, and uh, we'll be seeing exactly what shakes down there. 
couple of key uh, you, we have the contributors on every Tuesday and Thursday and in uh, Frank Saravalli and Mark Spector of course Mark Spector's with us every day at eight o'clock and Speck got the chance to sit down yesterday in Detroit with Leon Dreisaitl and not a lot not often does a player say you know I'll sit down with you and have a lengthy interview on a day off uh, because players just it doesn't happen a lot but there was a situation so go to sportsnet.ca read Mark Spector's article uh, just to to have a player sit down and talk about where his situation is moving forward with the Edmonton Oilers I mean we all know the situation with Leon Dreisaitl and some candid comments and a, a good piece by Spec in the sense of I think everyone in town wants to know and is hoping that Leon can stay around and sign a long-term deal. And as Leon says in the article, and I'm just going to paraphrase it and just give you the Coles notes, you know, I'll do what's best for me. And, of course, he brought up Connor McDavid as well, and Connor's going to do best what's best for him. So uh, check out the article, sportsnet.ca, uh, exclusive interview, Leon Dreisaitl, Mark Spector. Now, the other... Uh, double barrel shotgun that we always have going Tuesdays, Thursdays, Frank Saravalli. Now, Anthony Sanfilippo is sort of a, I guess, a blogger, podcaster with ties to the Flyers organization. I, I believe this this podcast that he does has sort of ties. He's the guy that went off with Kevin Hayes, started talking about uh, for the Blues and talking about Cutter Goche that Hayes had something to do with Goche leaving the Flyers. Well, last night, John Tortorella, after the Flyers 3-2 win in a shootout over the Montreal Canadiens, Tortorella kind of went off on this San Filipino. And yeah, he just basically asked, hey, is the guy in, in here? Is the guy that started talking about Kevin Hayes in there? And then the two of them had an exchange. So we'll get Frank Saravalli's perspective on that, I don't. I'm assuming over the years Frank has been on this podcast. I can't say for sure, but we will uh, talk about that at uh, 8:20. The St. Albert Dodge game of the day. It was last night at the Meadows. The Duke was on fire. It was the alumni for Quick Card Minor Hockey Week. Alumni with about 12 ringers. <laughs> like, give me a break. Chris Dingman was uh, one of the alumni. I don't know. He, th- he must have thought it was game seven of the cup final but when he was still playing in Colorado or Tampa Bay. Same with Laddie Schmid. We'll talk to Laddie when he gets in here at 8 o'clock. These guys meant business last night, Duke. They were all overs. Uh, it, it, the, the game kind of went to overtime with some scoreboard adjusting. <laughs> but, I mean, the, quick card minor hockey week, so it's underway. We had a, a lot of fun last night. Uh, the Duke was there. David Schlemko was there. Eddie Steele was there. We had other members of the media. And uh, what they have? About four or five guys from the Midgets and the Oilers? It had to be more. So, so, yeah, our team was afforded um, four young ladies from the Junior Oilers uh, U18 program. and then They the, were our best players. They were our best players, obviously. And then the uh, the other side, the alumni side, they had um, a hamp. I, I guess I didn't really actually count. It seemed like they had way more oh, junior oiler players they, than like we got the four four young gals. They had to have like six or seven junior oiler U eighteen. Yeah. And they players. had McLeod, Red Rachinsky from Bears, Golden Bears. Yeah. Robertson from Nate. Yeah, they, they had quite a few quite a few ringers oh. in the mix. Um but you know what? I liked our team's fight. <laughs> we uh, had Lyle Best from Quick Card on our bench. Cam Tate was our Cam Tate was coach coaching. slash general manager. 
Yeah, his he's on the hot seat after that performance by uh, <laughs> by the media team. But uh, that, it was it was a great time. I was obviously very uh, yeah. very honored to be to come on kind of play, and that's my first time doing it. Uh, kind of first time getting introduced to this uh, the whole minor hockey week and tournament thing here in Edmonton, having not grown up here <laughs> and not really have it been on my radar. So very cool, and, and it's obviously a big deal. The whole the band and then the bagpipes uh, coming on for the face office. It yes, was, it's it's a big deal, and it was cool. So I was a uh, very um, excited to be a part of it. And uh, just a little disappointed we couldn't uh, have a better result we on the were, scoreboard. We got, like, throttled. Cakewalk. Crushed. It, wa- it wasn't close. We got our lunch fed to yeah, us. Yeah, it was bad. We had uh, Kent Morrison from CTV was in goal. He held us in it. He looked like Denny Lemieux from Slapshot at the end of the night. <laughs> It was yeah. uh, it was total domination. We'll see what Laddie says when he gets in here. I'm sure Laddie will give it to us pretty good since he was on the winning side. But uh, yeah, how about the overtime though? So they put out Laddie and and Dingman. Jeff Delory was there, and I think we're going to get JD on. He was playing out, and JD ended up scoring the overtime winner, if you want to call it. Yeah, raises his hands in the air. Does you know he think it was his greatest goal he ever scored in his life? <laughs> yeah, that's how that's how it goes. Sometimes we uh, you know we were. I thought we were the good guys in that. We just kept trotting yeah. out our, our junior Oilers out there, and they wanted, they have like they're dead tired. I think you said Kevin they came straight from practice yeah. just so, to come and play with us. So we, but even was, in overtime, the four on four, three on three, we still started two on two. Of, we just kept trotting them out there, yeah, and they, rotating them. And then uh, there was a, a penalty shot, and uh, well, Tyler Buns was in that former Oiler. Yes, Girton played a goal, and he faced the four young ladies from the junior Oilers. <clears throat> Excuse me, and uh, they did pretty well. Yeah, a couple, of, uh, couple yeah. of them got some tucks to get us back in the game. So it uh, no, they it, were good. It was a great, it was a great experience. And then, of course, uh, you know, just um, we went upstairs to, after, to, had a couple upstairs, of McDonald's cu- burgers and some sea change brews. Yeah, that, that was that, that was, was the best part. That of was the, the best part, of course. Um, but it, it was really cool for me to get to to kind of actually mm-hmm. meet like face to face some of these other members of the media that, of course, I'm familiar with and and uh, cross paths with online or yeah. whatever the case. But kind of get to meet them in person. They're all such like top shelf guys uh, and gals. And then uh, to meet a couple of the, uh, the alumni on the other side of the coin as well. It was, it was yeah, couldn't, yeah. Can't say enough good things about it. Uh, Dinger's been on, Chris Dingman's been on Gregor's show. Uh, he was, I think it was, it either who, who is it Wednesday? Anyway, uh, Dinger's a piece of work and he was, he was giving it out. He was giving it his all out there. And I mean, he's, I, when, uh, to be honest with you, I started following Dingman because he used to play in Brandon. So he's from here. He's got his roots here now. He used to play in Brandon, and so I covered him in the in the Western League in the, oh, I don't know, whatever it was, early 90s, 93 or something like that, and they had Marty Murray on the team. He he played with Marty Murray, and they were a, a pretty good one-two punch in Brandon for many, many years uh, when they used to tear it up in the Western League. But thanks to Kylie Quinn, uh, Hockey Edmonton, all the volunteers that came out last night. I mean, Hunter was there from the others. They had the brass band was there. Uh, a lot of fans stuck around. We had two teams that were uh, uh, young girl teams. I think they were 10 and under, and they stayed out for the opening ceremonies. Uh, it was good. To, Joan Carrillo was out there. Bill Ross, who <clears throat> there's a guy, Duke, that you have to have a chat with. Bill Ross, for years, has been, they call him, in the, in the score room. So think about, uh, and again, we had Daryl Davis was there. He, he's the honorary chair, came on on Monday. Well, we're going to have Lyle Best from Quick Card uh, Minor Hockey. Uh, he's going to come in tomorrow at 10.30, by the way. Anyway, Bill Ross, you would phone him to get a score. Now think about the amount of games that are coming in. So you have 10,000, uh, 10,000, over 11,000 kids now in Quick Card Minor Hockey Week, 700 and some games. So all these scores are coming in, especially, you know, on a Saturday, Sunday, 
at, at the start of the tournament. And he's keeping track. Back in the old days, I think he had probably, you know, just white sheets on the wall. Never mind everything else. So uh, kudos to everybody. And uh, if you have a chance, it's five bucks for a button. You can go everywhere in town, every rink, and see as many games as you want. It's great to support the kids. They have This is their Stanley Cup, as uh, uh, Daryl uh, alluded to on Monday. And I think that was from Rod McMahon. He was there last night, too. So it was good to see a lot of old friends, old faces. And uh, good luck to all the kids and all the teams and all the referees are doing it for free uh, for Quick Card Minor Hockey Week. Uh, this week. So, a jam-packed show. we got to mix things up a little bit today. So, we'll have some open time right after the break. Talk to the uh, Duke about uh, some certain things that's going that are going on around uh, town and in the NHL and things like that. Uh, Fred Greetham from the Orange and Brown Report will guest with us at uh, 7.40. Now, we had to bump him back just now. So, the Orange and Brown Report, of course, is Cleveland Brown. So, Cleveland and Houston get wild card weekend underway Boy, Saturday, uh, and that'll be one of the few games, I guess, where weather will not be an issue because there's a few games that weather will be an issue, and we talked about that in Kansas City most uh, in, uh, particularly where it's going to be probably the coldest weather conditions in Kansas City Chiefs playoff history, so pretty nippy in KC. Uh, uh, Laddie Schmid, after a couple of weeks off and uh, fresh off a big win uh, in Quick Card Minor Hockey Week Media Alum Game, uh, 8 to 10, he's our co-host every Thursday, and he'll uh, be talking about, you know, we never even talked about it last night with Laddie, but how proud he was to see Czech come out with a bronze and uh, at the World Juniors, and he was fired up when Czech beat Canada, of course, 3-2 in the quarterfinals, so Laddie will have a lot of things to talk about. Mark Spector is in Detroit. He'll tee up tonight's Oilers-Red Wings game. Frank Cervalli in Philly, the daily face-off, and our headliner of the day uh, to talk about many things, including the Flyers. We'll have our ski report. And uh, I think Jeff Delorier is going to join us for a few minutes in the 9 o'clock hour, either 9.20 or 9.40. Big news again, too. I guess I sort of forgot about that in the uh, talking about coaches with Bill Belichick and Nick Saban, but uh, Pete Carroll... And the Seattle Seahawks parting ways, deciding that, you know, after a good run, a good stretch, it's time to uh, to do something else in the sense that he's probably going to stay on as an advisor. Kind of sounded like he wanted to coach still. And there are some openings. There's a lot of openings. This Pete Carroll still want to coach or does he stay on in Seattle as an advisor? A lot of open coaching jobs available in the NFL. And then Max Boltman from The Athletic. Uh, he's from Detroit and will also tee up tonight's Detroit Oilers game where the Oilers are going for their ninth consecutive win. Last night in the NHL, uh, Dallas pounds Minnesota 7-2. Uh, Colorado shuts out Vegas 3-0. Nate McKinnon has a 23 home point streak going. Wayne Gretzky had 40 back in the day when he was with the Kings. That's crazy to think he scored uh, a point in every L.A. Kings game. And, of course, uh, Philadelphia over Montreal 3-2 in a shootout. So when we come up, come back, we'll have some open time with the Duke. Uh, send us your text, one 401 Do you think the Oilers will win their ninth straight game tonight in Detroit? Or the warning signs in Chicago, maybe a little bit in, against Ottawa, does that say, ah, uh-uh, Oilers, time for a loss? 
Uh, 1-833-401-1440. More on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440 right after the break. Oh, yeah. Welcome back to Sports 1440. Kevin Carey Show, 723 in Edmonton, Chile, minus 29. You know, Duke, I never, ever got into Billy Idol, and he would have been right in my era. Totally hated him. I thought he was an absolute joke. For some reason, I didn't like Like the, sh- the music or the, Everything. Per- the person? And All of it. You didn't like him as a person. As a result, you couldn't get yourself to like the music or Didn't like versa. the music. Didn't like the Moni Moni, that other, what's the other big song? I mean, it was on all the dances. There was another big yeah. song that he had. I yeah, don't the, the, yeah I, I, the name eludes me. Yeah. Though, but I know what you're talking about. White yeah. Wedding was yes. one of them too. And I just didn't like it. I, and that was, the thing is, back in, in my day, Duke, you know, when I was a young whippersnapper, that's when like... Well, we didn't get MTV, but, you know, much music was a big thing. You don't even know what that is, do you, Duke? Much music? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, back in the day. So the funniest part of much music, this is stupid to talk about, but Jed Roberts. It was, Jed Roberts was one of the VJs and ends up to be the White House reporter for CBS. (laughs) What a a glow up. (laughs) You know, he, he would, like, he came on with the black leather and the chains and, Oh, man. I think, who else? They had Erica M. I remember her, but whatever. Yeah, that used to be like the primo gig was to be a much music oh. or, or MTV VJ. Yes, well, because that's what the kids, all the, you know, all, everyone want, watched the videos. That was I want the big my thing. MTV. Yeah. They still have that on all the yeah, prime except, things. Yeah, but the now, the moon now MTV and much music just run 24 hours straight of ridiculousness with Rob Diedrich. Well, yeah, and they're running... Seinfeld and whatever. It's, it's, it's crazy how, how much has changed. Like that was the, the biggest thing in the world for a stretch. Mm-hmm. And now it's just running uh, reruns and 10 year old episodes of yes. shows like clip, Cheer, clip, cheers clip, and clip shows, clip shows yeah. and stuff. So text line is open one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. Give us a call on that same number. Rockford texts in and says, how about a shout out? And we did have a minor shout out, but we're going to mention some names here. How about a shout out to Jay and Claire Haverstock? who started the opening ceremony, Bagpipe Tradition, back when their kids played with the KC Southside Knights. So uh, there were five pipers on the ice last night, I think. Yes. And they started the opening ceremonies. I always think, you know, because they came, they went right by us, Duke, when we were standing on the blue line. And I was thinking, oh, they got the boots on. And, you know, they just, they just flooded the ice. And I'm going... Just I was don't, nervous. Don't wipe out. I was nervous because they had the like the red carpet rolled out in front of the uh, the penalty box and then out to center ice where the yeah. trophies were. But I was like, if they had all like they got all set up, they couldn't have like walked mm-hmm. them over to this side of the arena. They could have just walked out onto the carpet. Like I was, I they was were, clenched up for them the whole time. The thing is, again, they had they're in full, uh, you know, the gear and the boots, the high Scottish boots, and you can see the big platforms on them. Yeah, you're going, oh man. Just I was wondering if they maybe put some, put some screws through the bottom of them or something. <laughs> That's probably what what hurt us on defense skating backwards. <laughs> well, a couple of ruts we, there. <laughs> we just I'm going our sand there during the anthem, and as yeah. all this, the opening ceremonies are happening, where they they hadn't quite waited for the um, the flood to fully freeze before they rolled out this carpet. Yeah. And so it did kind of push some more, and you could actually see around the, the carpet, center ice, yeah. uh, the carpet where the car was laid mm-hmm. out to center ice, kind of almost a ramp up where the water had pooled around this exactly. carpet. It was, we're like, 
I was like, this is your side, Schlemmer. You can <laughs> you can truck it up and try to make passes up this side of the ice. But uh, it uh, thank, thankfully, that was the least of our concerns on our team. S- Steve in a truck texts in and says, gentlemen, I'm a Wings fan first and an Oilers are close second. Perfect finish tonight would be a Wings overtime win. Both teams get a point. Wings get the two points uh, needed more than the Oilers, Steve, in a truck. Again, the Oilers sit right now in the number two hole when it comes to the wild card situation, thanks to this eight-game winning streak. Seattle, I mean, that's the other, that's the hottest team in the league besides the Oilers. Seattle with seven straight wins, and the Kraken are same points as the Oilers with 43. Edmonton has 43 as well, but three games in hand on Seattle, and also two games in hand on Arizona, and the Coyotes sit with six 42 points and St. Louis, Calgary, everyone's sniffing around there. Uh, Minnesota, after that little bit of a coach bump, has fallen off. And same thing with the LA Kings. LA Kings are right now in a big time funk. Uh, three, four, and three in their last 10. Now 47 points. And as we mentioned off the top of the show, just four points back. The Oilers are just four points back of LA. Vegas wins. Uh, sorry, Vegas gets shut out last night. So that's another good thing for the Oilers. So Vegas, 51 points. The Oilers, with 43, uh, eight points back and four games in hand the Oilers have on the Vegas Golden Knights. This, uh, uh, that, and again, since November 24th, the Oilers were 10 points back of a wild card spot. You got That's amazing to see this run that they've been on. Uh, power play and uh, penalty kill tonight will show that both teams are very similar when it comes to the PK. Oilers have a better power play percentage, uh, 25.8, 7th right now in the NHL, Detroit 21.9 and ranked 13th. Uh, what did you make last night? So Pete Carroll, how, how, so we got nine coaching. Is it nine? Or I, eight? I haven't even done the full tabulation now after with the Vrabel news and then the Pete Carroll news yesterday eight. afternoon. And then it kind of, uh, the Nick Saban uh, announcement kind of caught, I think a lot of people off guard yesterday afternoon. And then that's what I woke up to the notification mm-hmm. on my phone this morning or not woke up as I got out of the shower. It uh, was sitting there waiting for <laughs> me um, that Bill Belichick and this one was a little more expected. I guess there'd been a lot of rumors of it throughout the season, but like you talk about Pete Carroll, they say he's going to remain with the team in an advisory role. If he does in fact want to still coach and depending on fit and w- location and all these things, like there's no shortage of opportunities. Mm-hmm. And you're telling me that any of these teams that are looking for a new coach wouldn't want to bring in Pete Carroll, who, I don't know, first, like, is he a first ballot Hall of Famer head coach in the NFL? I know. I well, def- it, does, I think, it, again, it doesn't count because. Here's, uh, the, here's the difference, Duke. Yeah. It's Pro Football pro, Hall of Fame. And that's what I was going to say. So, his Rose Bowls obviously don't really count everything towards his US, accreditation. Yeah. Everything happens there. So. Uh, whatever you know, whatever he accomplished in college, where things didn't go south and in the toilet. Yeah, but I think I don't know if he's a first ballot, but he's pretty darn close. Like, he, like his time with the Seahawks stretched what fourteen years? Fourteen years. Yeah. Super Bowl, ha- Super Bowl, a second appearance. Obviously, when they lost to the uh, Broncos or Bronco Broncos beat the um, Panthers. But uh, whatever. Oh, Patriots, the infamous mm-hmm. uh, goal line situation. So lost there. Playoff appearances, division titles, winning seasons like. He, he had a great run there. It's, it's not very very often you see coaches, especially nowadays, last that long uh, with one franchise. Like, unless mm-hmm. you're the Pittsburgh Steelers, you're you're pretty willing to pull the trigger on firings and hirings as you see fit. But he's he had a great career. So I, I'm very interested to see if he does, in fact, just stick in Seattle where he's obviously content um, living. 71, 72. He's not a young I mean, man, right? So I don't understand. Like, just go... 
enjoy right off some into things. the sunset. Yeah, you know, but enjoy- these guys that they're they're not wired that way. I know they're not wired that way, but look at a guy like Jimmy Johnson. Yeah. Okay, he went and he he goes fishing every day, and he's still now he'll be he's on the panel with Fox. They still get to talk about football. Pete Carroll is extremely well spoken. Does you know his interviews are top notch? If you listen to him on when he goes on with moving the chains with Pat Kerwin and uh, Jimmy Miller, extremely well spoken. He does, I think, once a week with those guys. There isn't a you know there isn't a, t- a, t- a um, you know an affiliation, uh, whether it be Fox, CBS, or whatever, NBC, that wouldn't want to have him on sometime. So just go enjoy some things for a while. Enjoy, you know, you had a great run. Enjoy life for a little bit. But 25% of the league with the coaching changes, well, potential, either firings and then, you know, happen. Do you think Belichick goes to Atlanta? That's where everyone's kind of that's talking. The, that's the hot one. I, the the more speculated one uh, before, obviously, the official announcement, but towards the back mm-hmm. of the season was Washington. I think they're very keen on bringing Belichick in. I think his name can not help but be attached to the Chargers. Because uh, like, some of these teams, you ex- like with coaching vacancies, you maybe expect them to, to start fresh. Maybe they have a high pick and they're going <laughs> to pick a quarterback, bring in a new face, an OC, a DC or something. But there are certain teams, and I think the Falcons and Chargers are two of them, mm-hmm. where the, the talent's there. And, and obviously there's a couple pieces to move in and out, but like they're more in a win-now situation where I think that lends itself to a veteran coach coming in. Belichick, of course, fits that bill. He's uh, arguably the greatest coach in the history of football. So I think L.A. or Atlanta makes sense, but the ties to wa- – like the, the, You think the Washington's – I don't know. The rumors to Washington are have been pretty prevalent. Uh, his, his, of course, um, his personal ties to uh, the Navy program uh, down there just uh, in Maryland. So I, I don't know. Whoever, what, what, whoever whatever lands, owner, whatever owner says, here's the keys, Bill. Pretty much, and that's, that's the thing. Is. Bill Belichick has always proven to be a much better head coach than general manager. And, I mean, yes, he's been the de facto GM, even if not uh, not in title, for this entirety of this uh, Patriots fran- mm-hmm. um, dynasty. But he's done – he does well with – he makes better players out of lower-end talent. At a certain point, when your team's bad, you get high-end talent, and you have to do something with that high draft picks. Mm-hmm. And I think Belichick's proven he's not always the most adept with that. So, it, like, he, I think he'd be better served just to be the head coach. But after you've had, like you said, the kind of full keys to the house, the whole kit and caboodle mm-hmm. for this long, uh, it'd be hard to give that up wherever you land next. Text one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. This is an awesome text from Matt in Leduc. Pete Carroll should be able to run to the Hall of Fame. But they're probably going to pass. That's the dig in class. the Super Bowl, Matt. Matt, uh, that I'll give this, I'll give that one a nine point four out of ten. So you had Marshawn Lynch in the backfield, ready to go, one yard or whatever it was. Pass picked off uh, Butler, Stephon Gilmore, uh, Gilmore. Sorry, yeah, Gilmore. Uh, or no, no, so, yeah, no, Butler, Mal- Butler, Malcolm, Malcolm Butler, Butler, yeah, Butler, yeah, Butler, Butler, yeah. Butler just stepped in front of the pass, and Richard Richard Sherman on the sideline, absolutely, well, ab- you know. Here's a funny story about that, Duke, and it happened, it would have happened a year later. Uh, for some reason, I got into watching that uh, reality show, The Deadliest Catch. Oh, yeah, that's it. You that's watched a, it, The Crab Fisherman. I, I've seen it, oh, yeah, yeah. I've seen it. Yeah, yeah. So all of these guys that were that are and were fishing in the Bering Sea for crab, basically they're all from Seattle. Mm-hmm. So massive Seahawk fans. They, they had their the Seahawk flags on the, on the, on the uh, fishing boats. 
Anyway, so this would be a year because after production and, you know, it airs a year later, whatever. One of those guys, I think it was that SIG guy, the Norwegian or Swedish guy or whatever. Anyway, they're all listening to the game on radio while they're fishing. Oh, Okay, so they're listening to the game and they're going, everyone's going bananas and they're still, they're hauling the pots in. They're hauling <laughs> the pots and the crab, they're counting us, but they've got the, the game being blared over the loudspeakers. And anyway, it comes up da, 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 and it stopped, uh, you know, intercept. they they passed the ball. All these guys are going, they didn't run the ball. Oh, it was just hilarious. So they, everyone's putting their heads down. They can't believe it. Oh, boy. That's a good, a good, good. Uh, Text from uh, Matt and LaDuke. Also, uh, uh, Norm in a combine says, Good morning, uh, gentlemen. American media writing off our Texans, Duke. I say, blah, 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 blah. You have to play the game. Have a good day. Norm in a combine. So that's the first game of the day. That's what we're going to preview, I guess, coming, coming up, up here. Coming up here. You betcha. Looking forward to hear what uh, Fred has to say from the Brown side because I'll be honest, Norm, Kevin, anybody. Mm-hmm. This is not the matchup I wanted for the Texans. I did not want them to win the division well, to avoid this matchup because it just. What does would not... you rather have? You're still I at w- home. Yeah, but home, like home, home field isn't a isn't a notorious oh, thing for the Texans. I, I, out of all those teams, we I'm just, happy we, we to just play watched, Cleveland. We just watched Jonathan Taylor run roughshod over this defense that mm-hmm. was one of the best run defenses in the league this year. Taylor I'm made, happy. Taylor made light work of it. They're, the Texans' pass defense is terrible. Joe Flacco. Looks like the next coming of Christ. Yeah, but he also can throw a pick or two. Yeah, that's and it, that's uh, the Texans have actually done a not a bad job turning mm-hmm. the ball over in their secondary. They got some uh, game game uh, gamers back there. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, I I I've already said it. Like I'm happy with the season if it were to end today if they didn't even play the game. But the the, the what is it four and a half points or no two and a half points? Um, I'm nervous. I'm nervous. I'm gonna watch it and cheer yeah. and be excited. But uh, I, I won't say I'm going in super confident. How's <laughs> I just because of our defense, like and without uh, without a lot of the like no tank down on offense, uh, like last week or yeah, last week it was the Nico Collins show was it was like the second half before CJ Stroud completed a pass to somebody not named Nico Collins. You can't get away with that. And the te- the Cleveland defense is absolutely unbelievably good. So yeah, they're good. I'm still, nervous. <laughs> I'd be happy to play Cleveland. At home. I would have rather played, uh, like, I would have rather been the seven seed and played Miami. Like, Miami wins. Well, yeah, but that's not happening. Like, well, yeah, I know it's not happening. I know, no, no, but no, but I mean. Come like, Sunday morning, I had the way it laid out where this is what I wanted to happen. I wanted Jacksonville to win, get mm-hmm. the four spot. They limp into the playoffs. Easy out for so whoever plays So then you're saying, them. so, and Miami to beat Buffalo. And, and Miami beat Buffalo yeah. at the Texans. That attack. I wouldn't want. Miami, because Miami playing at home. I wouldn't want that. I, I think you got the best you got the best deal here out of anyone as far as Houston goes. We'll see what uh, Fred Greetham says from the Orange and Brown report when we come back on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. All right, welcome back to the big program. Looking forward to a great weekend, wild card weekend in the NFL, and it all gets underway Saturday afternoon with the Cleveland Browns in Houston to take on the Texans as we welcome in Fred Greetham from the Orange and Brown Report to tee this one up. Good morning, Fred. Thanks for uh, hopping on Sports 1440. 
Hey, thanks for having me. Good to talk with you. Well, thanks for uh, coming on. Boy, uh, we're really excited to get things going, and I'm sure you are with Cleveland and Houston kicking things off. Uh, boy, the Browns with the storyline, basically with Joe Flacco and all the quarterbacks and everything that's happened, but especially Joe Flacco. How would you rate or rank the Joe Flacco story in Cleveland this year, among other storylines in the in the NFL? Well, it's obviously still to be determined, but it's sure off to a great start. I don't think anybody saw that coming when the Browns signed him off the couch on November 20th to the practice squad, and five weeks, six weeks later, you know, he's got him in the playoffs and playing probably as well as he has in a long time in his career and, and kind of rejuvenated uh, the fan base in Cleveland and you know, maybe throughout the NFL. I just think that, you know, the Browns, when they lost to Sean Watson and really were just obviously major injuries, Nick Chubb and their top three tackles, I think most people knew, at least those covering the team like myself, felt this was one of the best rosters we've ever seen. But how deep can they go? And obviously, like you said, four or five quarterbacks deep. Mm. I don't know if I saw them you know at this point I had them at 11 and 6 which is what they finished before the season but it wasn't with this roster I'll tell you that <laughs> and and so when you look at it it is improbable it is but right now Flacco's come in they've averaged 31 points a game in the last four games he's played and instead of just hoping the defense could win you the game and the offense wouldn't screw it up now you actually feel like you got the defense and you got a quarterback and an offense that can put up some points. Hey, Fred, why why do you think that there was almost instant chemistry between Flacco and guys like Amari Cooper and and David Njoko? How did that happen so fast? I just think you know Flacco's been around. He's got you know the the intangibles. He's got a very um, even keeled uh, temperament. It's very similar to Kevin Stefanski. You know, there was a lot of joke that it was Kevin Stefanski's long-lost brother <laughs> because they're they're very quiet, very even-keeled, and I just think he meshes well with the players they have. Amari Cooper is similar, and uh, David Njoku is somebody that he's, you know, helping having his best year of his career. And so it's just been – it's just really been – you know, quite a story. And I think that, you know, Flacco really, really embraces this opportunity. He thought he was done. Nobody called him. Nobody even gave him a look, despite all the quarterbacks going down left and right around the NFL. And he realizes nothing's a given anymore, and he wants to play, and he's getting that opportunity. So it's almost like he's got a newfound, you know, zest for the game and, and, uh, really enjoying every moment of it. Fred Greetham, the Orange and Brown Report, our guest on Sports 1440. So, you know, Deshaun Watson goes down, and earlier in the season, right off the hop, Nick Chubb goes down. But the Browns running game hasn't missed a beat. How impressed are you with the guys that have come in, Ford and Hunt, and, and replaced what Nick Chubb offered? Well, they've done it. They've done it with, a, you know, a committee Nobody can replace Nick Chubb. He averaged over five yards a carry. He was off to a great start. He had 170 yards, and he only played five quarters. And 
then you're in a position where you still have Bill Callahan, who gets a lot of credit for building this offensive line, and they lost their top three tackles. But in the inside, you got Wyatt Teller, Joel Batonio, and Ethan Posick, and they've really been able to, you know, keep that going. And then when you have, you know, those backs, you know, Hunt has been kind of, he came in after the injury to Chubb, been here the previous four years, and he's really been their goal line back or the short yardage back. But but Ford has, has provided a burst in the passing game and the running game. So they miss Chubb immensely, but they have been able to, you know, carry the water and keep things going. And they're going to need it in the playoffs if they're going to go. They've really been relying on throwing the ball with Flacco. It's 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 hard to believe that he's averaged over 40 yards or 40 passes a game mm-hmm. since he's come into the Browns' uh, offense. Fred Greetham, our guest on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440 from the Orange and Brown Report as the Cleveland Browns get set to take on the Houston Texans to kick off wild card weekend in the NFL on Saturday afternoon. David and Joko, we've seen the talent right from the get-go when he came into the league, but finally now we're seeing that he has become an elite tight end. Uh, what has been that transition to get him to that stage where you see him as being one of the top tight ends in the game? I think a lot of it's maturity. He was drafted very young. I think he was 20 years old when he joined the Browns. He's he's now in like his seventh year, but he's still only like 26. I think he might have turned 27. But I think maturity, and if you remember, they signed Austin Hooper to a big contract as a free agent. He was very upset. He asked to be traded. The Browns refused to trade him. They eventually moved on from Hooper. And he embraced the role as a blocker. And this year, it's kind of went full circle where now he is actually being able to be a a tremendous part of the offense and not only blocking, but in his talent getting out in the open. I think he's got 81 catches, which is the most of Mm -hmm. his career. And if you would have had a guy like Flacco throwing to him or Watson all year, he probably went over 100 or at least broke the Browns franchise record. So he's in a good place, and he's playing very, very well. And the Browns are going to need him, you know, along with Amari Cooper, to make any dent in the playoffs. Fred, we all know that the Browns defense revolves around Miles Garrett, uh, fifth uh, Pro Bowl selection, uh, third straight season with 14-plus sacks. Uh, what would be, I guess, the game plan to make sure that they can get pressure on a really young but a really good quarterback in C.J. Stroud of the Texans? Yeah, that, that's definitely what they have to do all year. Teams have just tried to not let Miles Garrett ruin the game for them. And and that's, that's allowed some of the other guys to step up and make plays. Zadarius Smith, I think, last time in Houston when they, they targeted Garrett with Laramie Tunsil and, and double teams and triple teams, Zadarius Smith might have had his best game of the year with a couple sacks. They have inside presence with Dalvin Tomlinson, Shelby Harris, Jordan Elliott, and I just think all the way around, they got Obo Okoronkwo as four or five sacks as well. He was out with a torn peck, but he's going to give it a go this week. 
Alex Wright has come on. So it's really incumbent on some of the other players to take some of the pressure off Miles so you know he can he can do what he does. But I think that I think he's determined to make a difference and I expect a big game out of Garrett this weekend. I think they may move him around and help create matchups for him. But there's no question everybody on the Houston side of the ball knows where Miles Garrett is and, and the Browns have some of the people to compliment him and help on the other side, so they can't put all their attention on Garrett. Fred Greetham, the Origin Brown Report, our guest on Sports 1440. Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa had a fantastic season, almost had 100 tackles. Uh, How does he plug up the holes at the linebacking core for uh, the Browns? I think he's just, you know, unlocked. Jim Schwartz really unlocked his potential and is playing the best of his career. I think he is a wild card. C.J. Stroud, you know, has the ability to get outside the pocket and run. And I and I think that with the speed and the ability of J.O.K., that will really play a big factor. He is he is freed up and able to just use his speed to to play sideline to sideline. Like you said, he went over 100 tackles, led the team, and he has been really a neutralizer when they play Lamar Jackson and some of the mobile quarterbacks he's been able to shadow and stay with him and I kind of expect some type of a game plan with that by Jim Schwartz to not let Stroud wreck the game with his legs you know if they can keep him in the pocket and put the pressure on him but just not let him get out and run I think JOK will play a big part in that Mm -hmm. because of his speed and his ability to you know, stay with some of these faster, more mobile quarterbacks. One last one for you, Fred. We didn't know what the seedings and pairings were going to be until uh, late into last weekend of the regular season. Out of how things could have shaken down and how things did shake down, is this the best matchup, in your opinion, that uh, Cleveland could face in the first round? Well, I think, you know, they have... the they have seen South. The Browns would have won that division if they were in that division. Mm-hmm. They beat all four teams during the regular season. Kevin Stefanski's 10-0 and against the AFC South. I know that means nothing um, in the playoffs, but I do think that the experience, the Browns have an experienced defense. I think C.J. Stroud has been outstanding, and we saw what he did at Ohio State, especially people here in Ohio, but this is a, a playoff game, and he is a rookie, and I think that Jim Schwartz will be able to come out with some uh, plans, some things that Stroud hasn't seen Mm -hmm. and maybe cause a little confusion for him. But I think they can contain him and keep keep the Texans, you know, in the 20-point range, and that would allow Flacco on the offense to score enough to win. Hey, Fred, thanks for your time this morning. Uh, Enjoy the game on Saturday. Should be a great weekend of NFL football. Thanks for coming on today. All right, thanks for having me. That's Fred Greetham, the Orange and Brown Report. Uh, At the top of the hour, it's going to be great to have Ladislav Schmid back in the studio and to check in with Mark Spector in Detroit as the Oilers get set for the Red Wings tonight. And we will discuss Speck's exclusive interview with Leon Dreisaitl. Check it out on sportsnet.ca if you haven't already. That's coming up at the top of the hour. Before that, time now for a Sports 1440 update. Brought to you by First Round. Watch NFL football at First Round Saturday 
or Sunday, and even the Monday night game coming up, and you could win a trip to watch your favorite team next year. Here is the Duke.